We all admire people of great character, don't we? If you think about somebody you know that has great character, we admire people like that. And uh, we make movies about people who, against all odds, were courageous, who showed great strength in adversity, who were trustworthy, steadfast, truthful. You know, I think of movies like Braveheart and Hidden Figures and Schindler's List, The Sound of Music, for, for you, the people that are old enough to know an older movie like me. But, uh, you know... Jesus is, a, is, is obviously a person of, of greater character than anyone who ever walked the earth. And, you know, I think sometimes because of our humanity, we look at him and compare ourselves to him and think, okay, that's impossible. I could never be like him. But the Bible says quite differently, and we know that. We know that the Bible says that, that, that he's made us the righteousness of God in Christ. Isn't that right? The righteousness of God, the righteousness of God is pretty impressive. The character of Jesus is pretty impressive. You'd have to agree with that. And, and it says that he's made us that, but if we compare our, him and ourselves, sometimes we, we just look at it and say, okay, no, I, I don't measure up. And, and sometimes we feel like we're in a rut and we feel like we're not making progress and we see our shortcomings and our failures and our flesh and the enemy beats us up, and sometimes we just let him. If you just sit there and look very serious, no one will know that you've ever done that. All right, so just don't react. Just sit there, and that's good. You're doing a good job. All right. You know, I, I've asked God over and over again to hurry up and get things fixed in me and change me, and I can promise you this, and I say this all the time, he's going as fast as you and I can handle. I know that because in those seasons of change, I'd be like, slow, and, slow down, okay, okay, it's all I can do to keep up with you right now. So, so, you know, but you feel like you wait and wait and wait for those seasons, and then they suddenly happen. There is a verse, though, in the Bible that sort of backs that up. It says, in its time, it will happen quickly. Anybody ever been there when you've seen that? It's like, Lord, you're waiting and you're waiting. And then it's like, wah, the whole world changes in two days. And it's like, wow, okay, I see what you meant. Yeah. You know, one of the, it's not the only reason you come to church, I hope, is to grow spiritually. But we, we, we come to church because we want to grow spiritually. We want to get to know God. We want to know the word. And, and so, so, you know, we, we, we don't. Now, I want you to hear what I'm saying here. We don't get as excited about people's spiritual growth as we do about their physical growth sometimes. And, and hear me, so track with me on this, all right? You know, when we've got a little kid, you know, they're, they're crawling, they're standing, they're walking, they're potty trained, you know. Uh, you know, then in those elementary years, they're getting taller and, and then... You know, my, my nephews are here, and I'm sure they would be very pleased if I talked about them from up here. Um, you know, they're at adolescent age. You know, they're, they're growing up. They're getting taller. They're shaving a little. Um, they're taking 45-minute showers. You know, the things that teenagers do. So they're, you're not embarrassed or anything, right? No, okay, they're good. But, and, and we're happy, you know. We're happy that everybody, you know, kids grow up, aren't we? But spiritually, when it comes to spiritual growth, we don't always want to admit our progress because that would mean that we had to acknowledge or admit uh, our previous shortcomings and we'd have to tell people what we used to be or had done and now we aren't doing anymore. And so we don't want to say that. 
you know? I remember going to, uh, to a church, and everyone there was very solemn. It was a faith church. They were big on teaching faith, and they certainly weren't going to tell you that if they had any lack of faith, or they certainly weren't going to tell you they had any needs because they thought they'd be criticized by people who had more faith than them. And so it was a really sad group of people that I did not enjoy hanging out with, so I didn't. But... <clears throat> I had a coworker some years ago whose husband had a history of drug use, and she told me one day, she goes, yeah, they're not very nice to him in our church. They don't trust him, and they look down on him because of his history. I'm like, Lord, have him come to my church. We'll put him in the pulpit, you know? It's like, <laughs> we're, we're excited about testimonies at my church. She didn't quite understand that. She didn't change churches. But, but you know, people are not always quick. Now think about this. People are not always quick to forgive or forget and let you move on, you know? So sometimes we're just all quiet about our spiritual progress. That's not good. You understand that, right? You know, there's pride involved in that. You know, think about the story Jesus told of the prodigal son. You know, the prodigal son went out and wasted his, his half of his father's money, his fortune, and wound up destitute and he came crawling back, only the father was waiting for him and excited and ran out to meet him and, and threw the robe on him and threw a party. But the brother, he was just mad. He's like a lot of people in church. He was just mad and looking down on that guy because he had screwed up. He had messed up. He'd blown the fortune. He had lived bad and he was not going to let him off the hook. Not that easy. Aren't you glad God's not like that? And I know you don't want to be like that either, all right? But, but I'm just saying, you know, but people do that, don't they? They hold stuff against you. You know, if, if, if somebody gives a testimony, I bet you there's somebody out there who's like, hmm, so. I thought you were holy, but now, now I see you weren't. Well, guess what? If we had to, do you, do you remember, remember when, when they brought the woman who'd committed, a, you know, caught in adultery to Jesus? Where was the man, by the way? Anyway, that's irrelevant, apparently. So, so, so they brought the woman to Jesus, and they were ready. To, they all had rocks in their hands. They were ready to stone her. And Jesus like, well, let him with, who's without sin cast the first stone. And one by one, starting with the older ones, they all walked away because they all knew what they had done. I mean, they'd caught her, but they knew what they had done. And, and Jesus, now think about what he did. Jesus looked at her and said, has no one condemned you? Neither do I. Go and leave your life of sin. You know, did you notice he, he didn't throw any rocks? He didn't throw any. He just encouraged her and said, hey, leave that behind and move on. You know, Romans 12 says, rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. You know, we, we need to encourage one another. You know, if, if we're going through stuff, you know, sometimes you just need somebody to talk to. I have a dear friend who called me up the other day, and he's like, I, I need to see you. I need to talk. That's awesome. You know, that's a good thing. Sometimes we need to do that. Um, uh, James chapter 5 says, you know, is anyone sick among you? You know that passage, right? You know, and, and it says... Uh, you know, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed, all right? You know, sometimes we, we need to let down the guard a little bit, not to just anybody, okay? We're not going not gonna to take out a billboard and 
put our shortcomings on the billboard. Please don't do that. Thank you. But, but you know what? Sometimes we need to, to, to talk. And it's not a lack of faith to talk, okay? If it were, James wouldn't have said what he said. Hello? Y'all are looking at me like, what are you asking me to do? I'm not asking you to do anything. All right? But uh, chapter 4 of Ephesians, you could turn there. I'll give you something to, to turn to here. How's that? And, uh, you know, God has, has, uh, has an expectation for us. We, we have an expectation for the baby that the baby's going to grow up. All right? Are we expecting that baby to, you know, open up a restaurant so it has food to eat? No. No, we're not expecting the baby to do a whole lot. We're just expecting the baby to keep growing as it gets fed. You know, and, and, and sometimes we get this idea that God has these huge expectations for us and that we're somehow never meeting them. Again, you just keep that stoic look on your face and no one will know you ever had that thought. See, we, we think he has these huge expectations and somehow we are falling short. But, but I can tell you this, and, and, and we'll get into this more, but some of the kindest things God has spoken to me were in the middle of me messing up and him telling me, make this adjustment. Not harsh. We'll, we'll get more into that. But are you in Ephesians chapter 4? Okay. We know this passage, so we're going to, we're going to kind of race through it. Verse 11 says... And he gave some as apostles, some as prophets, some as evangelists, some as pastors and teachers. Look why, verse 12, for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ. Okay, so two reasons that he gave us gifts in the church was so that we would, we would uh, for the building up of the body of Christ and for the, so that we all could know how to work in the ministry. We would have ministry opportunities that the church could, could spring. You could springboard off of the church and have ministry opportunities in the church and out of the church, okay? So, so he gave us those things, all right? And verse 13, till we all attain the unity of faith, the knowledge of the Son of God to a mature man, to the measure of the stature that belongs to the fullness of Christ. That's a mouthful, isn't it? All right, but look down to verse 15, all right? But speaking the truth in love, we are to what? Grow up. Hello. Now, you can be mean to some kid and go, grow up. <laughs> My friend Brian used to get in a group of kids. He worked with children at church with me. He'd get in a room full of kids and he'd go, stop acting like kids. And they'd all freeze. And then they'd get this puzzled look in their face. And then they'd be like, but we are kids. And he's like, oh, well, never mind then. You're good. You just got to keep them off guard sometimes. It's okay. You know, I, 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 I like working with kids. But, but uh, we are to uh, grow up. Hello? Now, that is not a lecture from him, all right? I'm telling you. In a church environment, if you're in the Word, if you're, you know, listening to some stuff on TV, on the radio, if you're really old on CDs, if you're really, really old cassettes, we could go back further, all right? I remember the days of reel-to-reel tapes, okay? Anybody there? All right, so, so but my, my point is, is that, that in an environment with the Word and the Lord, you're going to start growing because the Holy Spirit lives inside of you, and He's talking to you whether you know it or not. Sometimes people don't even know it was him. 
lots of times. He said stuff to me, and I didn't know it was him, but he, he's got you. He gave those gifts to the church. They're in the church. If you're in the church and you're just paying even half attention, you're going to start growing, all right, just like that baby grows. Uh, I've, I've heard parents, my wife's a pediatric nurse, but I've heard parents say, you know, my kid barely eats. Yeah, that's right. That's true. Some kids barely eat, but you notice they're still growing. All right. And, and parents worry. First time parents really worry. Their kid's not eating enough and, and they barely eat. Yes, yes, they're little. They don't eat a lot because they're little. I took care of somebody's dog once, and, and he, he said, I just take a little, and he just barely reached in this bag of food, a handful, once a day. I was like, that poor animal, am I lying, honey? No. I thought that poor animal's going to starve to death, but the animal wasn't too thin. It looked perfectly healthy, but see, in my brain, it's like, okay, they're not eating enough. But see... God wants us to grow up, and, and he, is gonna, he is going to be, do you understand this? And as you're a new Christian, say you're a new Christian, he is going to be responsible for helping you get to the place where you have food, just like you're responsible for that baby to get food or that puppy to get food or whatever it is you have. And, and as long as you just cooperate, to some degree, you're going to start growing. Is, is he going to be, are you upset that the baby didn't go from, you know, 20 pounds to 40 pounds in a month? No. You would be like, we have nothing that fits. <laughs> right. You wouldn't. You shouldn't. They shouldn't wear the same clothes when they're 40, you know, 40 pounds as they did when they were 20 pounds. But they grow slowly. Now, they grow faster sometimes. You know, we call them growth spurts, right? And I think that happens spiritually, too. We can have some spiritual growth spurts. But Second Thessalonians... One, three, you don't have to turn there. I'm reading out of, I don't even know what translation this is. It says NCV. I don't know what that stands for, but I, li I like this translation. It says this, we must always thank God for you, brothers and sisters. This is only right because your faith is growing more and more and the love every one of you has for each other is increasing. I like that. Your faith is growing more and more and the love you have is increasing. Okay. Your love should not be decreasing. Your faith should not be decreasing. It should be increasing if you're growing. Isn't that right? All right. Uh, you guys are pretty familiar with the fruit of the Spirit, Galatians chapter 5, love and joy and peace, right? You're familiar with those. And the last one is, does anybody know? Self-control. But actually that word means more like strength. See, see, that baby when it's born isn't very strong. It's pretty floppy. You know what I'm saying? It can't really walk, can't really grab hold of much. It kind of holds onto your finger, sort of, and you like it when they do that, but they don't really do much. You know, but by the time they're 20, you know, if they're Pastor Mark, they're bench pressing 400 pounds, and, uh, you know, they got a lot stronger. Mark, just don't react, and everybody will think that's true. Anyway, <laughs> okay, 350. Are you good with 350? All right. Anyway, but, but strength, okay? And, and we're getting stronger. But here, we got to back up here for a second. You know, we're so aware of our shortcomings sometimes. And, um, you know, uh, Romans chapter 6, uh, you can turn there if you want. Um, you know, Paul's talking because people 
struggle with sin. He calls it that in one, in one place. He calls it the struggle with sin. And it isn't just sin. It, there's habits and, and things that we don't like about our personality and things that we don't like about how we treat people or how we react to people. And we don't like those things. And other people may not like them about us. So we want to change. Okay. But, but Paul, he's addressing sin here. But, but, you know, the first verse of Romans 6, he says, what shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? Well, of course not. He says, may it never be in the first part of verse 2. But skip down to verse 8. It says, now if we have died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. We're talking about growing up here, okay? Knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, is never to die again. Death no longer has mastery over him. For the death he died, he died to sin once for all, your sin and mine. But the life he lives, he lives to God. Even so, consider yourselves to be dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its lust. And don't go on presenting the members of your body as, to sin as instruments of unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those who are alive from the dead and your members ha- as instruments of righteousness to God. Verse 14, for sin shall not be master over you, for you are not under law, but under grace. Well, you know, that is good, and that is true. And God's word says it, and it's very, very clear. But our lives are a little more messy than all that. Is that not true? Don't look at me like that. You know, y'all, some of y'all are looking at me. But, but our lives are more messy than all that. We, we don't get it all right. I mean, okay, yes, I'm dead to sin. I count myself dead to sin, but sometimes I still sin. And sometimes I still mess up. And, and I know other Christians who have messed up. And I can be shocked by their mess up, and I just want grace and mercy for mine, okay? No, that's not how we do that, is it? No, no, we, we walk in love, and we walk in understanding that we're all flesh, all right? I think it's Psalm 103. Is it Psalm 103? He remembers that we are but dust. He, he knows our frame, it says. He knows. See, that's why he talks real sweet and real kind to us in the middle of us messing up, because he knows our frame, He walked among us. He loved, okay, you know, we we talk about my wife, she, she, if if anybody starts bad-mouthing Peter, she gets all up in arms about it. (laughs) Because, because Peter's the gutsy one, you know, he's the one who got out of the boat and tried to walk on the water, you know, he's the one who shouted out the answer, right or wrong, you know, he was, he was like, yeah, you know, he was that guy, you know, you gotta like that guy, you know, it's like, you're like, sometimes you're like, oh, (laughs) I can just imagine the other disciples reacting to Peter once in a while, but, 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 you know, he, 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 his mistakes were real, public, you know, Jesus, right before he died, yeah, you're going to betray me. You're going to deny me three times, you know, and then Peter, as soon as he did it, you know, the Bible says, you know, he went and wept. I mean, he was just like, I give up. I can't do it. I'm going to go fishing again. Yeah, Jesus reeled him in, got him back on track, you know, just like he does all of us. But, 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 we, we, we don't want to, you know, I, I'm glad the story of Peter's in there. If, if, if that was, if, if it was only the other disciples, save Judas, we'd all think they were just perfect and never made any mistakes, you know, except for, well, I guess there were James and John who were trying to sit, get Jesus to agree to let him sit on his right and his left in heaven just a little bit. 
you know, we'd be doing that at them. You know what I'm saying? It says the other disciples were indignant with them. Probably you would have been indignant with them too. You know, it'd be like, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm asking Jesus for me and my wife to sit on either side of Jesus. You'd be all like, who, who do they think they are? You know, but uh, I, I, I didn't do that. You didn't do that. Did you? No, we haven't done that. So we're good. Anyway, um, you know, Pastor, Pastor loves the book of Romans and Romans 8, I think is probably is one of his favorite chapters, if not his favorite chapter. And, and you know, he, he reads that in verse 9 of Romans 8. I'm just going to read it to you. It says, however, you are not in the f- flesh, but in the spirit, if the spirit lives inside of you. Right? We know that verse, right? You know, we're walking in the spirit, but it's like, okay, but my flesh keeps messing up. So how am I walking in the spirit if I keep messing up in my flesh? Well, that's just that process of growing up. You understand you don't go from here to here in one second. You don't go from spiritual babyhood to spiritual maturity in a minute. In fact, a lot of people really never get to spiritual maturity before they die and go to heaven. I'm just going to be honest with you. And, And you know what? It's okay. They make it to heaven. It's good. But they don't, they don't grow up very much, all right? But, but God has better things for you. He'll let you grow up as much as you're able to and as much as you want to. And he will get you there, all right? He will get you there. Romans 8, 1 says, There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Isn't that good? Turn to Romans 13. And um, we're, we're still talking about growing up. And, and we're talking about, I'm going to talk to you a little bit about how God has helped me grow up, okay? Is that okay? It's probably better if I talk about me than you. Romans 13, verse 11 says, Do this, knowing the time, that it is already the hour for you to awaken from sleep. For now salvation is nearer to us than when we believed. The night is almost gone. The day is near. Therefore, look at this, let us lay aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. Is he talking to the church here or a bunch of sinners? Hello, talking to the church, yes. Therefore, let us lay aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us behave properly as in the day, not in carousing and drunkenness, not in sexual promiscuity and sensuality, not in strife, hello, and jealousy, but look at verse 14, but put on, so we told us to lay something aside and put something on. Yes, you see that? All right. But put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh in regard to its lust. All right. Turn over to Hebrews chapter 12. Lay aside the stuff that's causing us problems, the stuff that's stealing peace from you, the stuff that's st- stealing sleep from you, the stuff that's causing friction between you and your spouse, the, the stuff that's causing friction between you and your coworkers and your family, lay aside all those things and put on the Lord Jesus Christ. Did you notice strife was in that list? You know, that's just talking bad and stirring up trouble, gossiping, okay? You know, most of us have done that. I've done that. And, and it's not pleasing to the Lord. He wants us to lay those things aside. Lay them aside. Just lay them aside, you know. Uh, I, I heard a, a, a pastor say one day, he goes, yeah. He goes, he goes you know, I, I was driving down the road one day, and I took all those words, that bad language, all that cussing and everything. I, took it, I rolled the window down and threw it right out the window. <laughs> 
I thought, that's good. That's what, that's what the word says to do. It says lay it aside. All right, he threw it in the ditch. Perfect. All right. You know, I mean, it, it, it's, a, it's a growth, isn't it? It's growing up. Hello. It's growing up. It's throwing stuff out the window, throwing it down, lay it aside, get rid of it, dump it out, put it down the garbage disposal. I don't care. Flush it down the toilet. Do something. Get rid of it. Get rid of it. Hebrews 12, therefore, first one, since we, are, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us also lay aside every encumbrance, that's a weight, and the sin that so easily entangles us. He's not even talking about sin here at first. He's just talking about stuff that slows us down. He is not talking about your spouse here. <laughs> I want to be very clear about that. All right. He is talking about unnecessary things, not things that are wrong. 16 hours of Netflix a day could be an encumbrance to you. You may as well pitch that one out the window and and NCIS or is it? No. Yeah. NCIS, NCIS, New Orleans, Chicago, Las Vegas. I don't know what. But I mean, you know, how much NCIS do you actually need before it becomes a weight? And, and, and you probably have a better, better stuff you could do with your time. All right, I don't care if you watch NCIS, but I'm just saying. All right, let us also lay aside every, every did you see that word? I'm not going to harp on it. I'm just saying it says that right there. Do you see that? Did you see that? Okay, you saw it. Every encumbrance and the sin that so easily entangles us and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, fixing our eyes on Jesus. He's going to lead you where you need to go to lead you with what you need to be doing, lead you to the people that he wants you to help. You realize you're everywhere, everywhere God's put you, you're there for a reason. You're there to be a blessing to somebody, all right? You're not just in your job because they have a paycheck for you, all right? I, I, I'm very proud of Jake. I can talk about Jake because he won't stone me or anything. But, but you know, he, 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 they, they ask him to lead a prayer group. Is that right? At his job. And then, and then don't you do a Bible study sometimes? So, I mean, you know, he, he, they found out he, he was a follower of Jesus. And it's like, hey, we like, we like this guy. We want to hear what he has to say. All right? But he's not there just to do accounting. He, he's there because God planted him there and there's a harvest there and you may not like the people you work with. Well, you better be praying for him and trying to figure out what the harvest is. All right. Until God moves you someplace else. And he might, he's moved me a few times. He hasn't moved me every time I wanted to move though. Hello. Hmm. <laughs> I probably better not say that. I'm not talking about here. I'm talking about long time ago. Anyway, he, he uh, boy, I'll tell you, I was in some places and one time I, I got offered a job in Michigan. I was so anxious to get away from Tulsa, Oklahoma, that I could hardly think. And I got offered a job in Michigan. And before I got the Lord's permission on it, I just said yes. And as soon as I said yes, you ever do that? And you're like, ooh, that was the wrong thing to do. Oops. So I had to do some quick backpedaling. <laughs> And get out of it because, see, I'll talk about me. I'm not talking about what you did and it messed up. All right. Write this one down. I'm going to just read it to you. First Peter 2.1 says this, Therefore, 
putting aside or laying aside all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, slander. Boy, those aren't the, you know, we start, you know, we want to talk about the big sins, you know what I mean? You know, we could talk about, you know, you know, fornication and adultery. No, he didn't say that. He's like, Laying aside malice, that's just thinking bad about people and deceit, dishonesty and hypocrisy. And that's you acting, you know, like you're better than you actually are. And envy, hello, ever struggled with envy? I have. Lay it all aside and like newborn babies long for the pure milk of the word so that by it you may grow. Hello, there's that word again. In respect to salvation, if you have tasted of the kindness of the Lord. Write this one down too. 2 Timothy 2, 4. No soldier in active service entangles himself in the affairs of everyday life so that he may please the one who enlisted him as a soldier. You know, we all want to please God. There's not one person. You don't come to church on Wednesday night unless you want to please God. There's not one person in this room that doesn't want to please God. But there's some things that we don't want to get entangled with. That doesn't mean they're wrong. It's just there's just some things we don't want to get entangled with, all right? You know, I, I, I know people who have hobbies that keep them out of church almost all year long. Well, hello. I, I mean, I, I'm, I'm not criticizing them, but you're like, okay, you know, the word says no soldier is going to get himself all entangled and stuff. Why? Because, because you're not going to grow then and you're not going to accomplish what it is that God's set you on this earth to do. You know, he put you here for a reason. You're not here by accident. And, and it's like no matter what chaos is going on in your world, somewhere in the middle of all that, Somewhere in the middle of all that chaos, he's got ministry for you to do and people for you to touch and things for you to say and things for you to do and learn. And, and it's a privilege and it's an honor to know him and to serve him and to walk with him. And, and you know what? He'll, he'll deal with the chaos. He'll deal with the mess. You know what? I, I've been in messes and I thought, Lord, God, I have no idea how I'm ever going to get out of this. I have no idea how I'm going to get through this uh, in one piece. But Lord... I'm just going to hang on to you. One night, I, 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 was, I literally cried myself to sleep. I've told you this maybe before. But I was so upset. And I was like, I saw no answer. I saw no way for this to, it was a Tuesday night. And that's the only time I've ever cried myself to sleep. But I cried myself to sleep. And, uh, and I don't want to tell you that, but I already did. So, um, um, and the next night at church, my pastor preached and he finished preaching and then he, he didn't leave the pulpit. And he's like, um, um, hold on a minute. And uh, you guys know Pastor Hagen. And, uh, and he goes, just a minute, just a minute. Y'all pray for a second. And so they, you know, and everybody prayed for a second. And, and he goes, uh, the Lord says this to somebody. You cried yourself to sleep last night. And here's what he says. Follow me. I thought, yeah, okay, I can, I can do that. You know, I, I mean, I was in bad shape, but, and the Lord knew it. He knew, that I knew, he knew I needed to hear that. I don't know if I was the only person in the room who cried himself to sleep. I probably was, but I don't know that. But, but you know, he, he uh, see, see, God's, I told you this. In, in my lowest times, he talks so kind to me. 
Because, see, he's not mean. He's not, his expectations are not hugely bigger than what you can do. He gets you. He totally gets you, knows where you're at, knows what you're all about, knows what you're made of, knows, he knows the worst stuff about you, and he still loves you. He knows the worst stuff about me. He still loves me. You know, life happens. We all have a list of things that we'd like to fix, shake off, take back, change, fix, undo, restore. <laughs> Some of us had had to deal with sickness and disease in our bodies. And as we come to know God and his word, we learn, you know, that there are certain things that don't have a right in our body. You know, you had learned that, though. You didn't just know that, right? We learn that we, we find things in ourselves, in our personality, in our character that are inconsistent with the holiness of God. And some of those things we can just drop off easily when we're saved. We just drop off. They just go away and they go away and that's easy. And some things are more of a struggle. And some things feel like they're never going to go away despite our best, best efforts. And that can be a cause of discouragement and frustration. Again, you just sit there and look at me. Don't react. No one will know. Anyway, but you know what? Jesus made peace available to us. Do you know that? Um, if you want to turn with me to John 14, you can. But I'm going to kind of piecemeal hit this because, because of time. But, you know, in John 14, you know, this is right before Jesus went to the cross. His last night with the disciples, he talked to them at length about their lives, their future, the fact that he was going to send the Holy Spirit. But verse 27 of John 14, he said this, Peace I leave with you. I don't feel peace, though, Jesus. No, no, that's not the point. The point is, peace I leave with you. It's available. Not as the world do I give unto you. In other words, peace in the world's eye is, means everything's going right. <laughs> no. That is not the kind of peace he left us with. He left us the kind of peace that passes understanding, the peace in the midst of the storm, when nobody, and when you can sleep in the boat in the middle of a storm, that kind of peace. That's what he gave us. Hello. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Do not let, do not allow, do not permit your heart to be troubled, nor let it be fearful. We're going to talk about that. That's possible to do. Verse 16, I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper. Hello. See, he's not abandoning us. He's giving us help. Who will be with you. How long? That's good. Verse 18, I will not leave you as orphans, Jesus talking. I will come to you. See, 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 he's, he's right there. He, you know, Paul said that, you know, when he was talking uh, on Mars Hill, you know, he said, in him we live and move and have our being. He goes, he's not far from any of you. You think he's far away, but he's not far away at all. Because actually, we think he's in us, but the word says, in him we live and move. But we can't think that way, so it's just easier to say he's in us. But the word says, in him we live. He's not far away. He's right in the middle of it. You know, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you, verse 21. He who has my commandments and keeps them is the one who loves me. Verse 23. If anyone loves me, he will keep my word. See, see, obedience 
brings about that peace that he promised, okay? As we follow him, there's peace. As we learn from him, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am humble at heart, not mad, not frustrated with you, not you're not meeting my expectations. Did you ever get one of those job evaluations where they said you were not meeting, they checked the not meeting expectations box? Thank you so much. It's like you people don't have any idea what I do. I don't know how you figured that one. Anyway, did you think that when you saw it? I did. I was like, I've seen you twice this year, so I'm not quite sure how it is. <laughs> Back to verse 27. Peace I leave with you. Oh, no, go back, go back up to verse 26. But the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I said to you. Has he ever done that for you? He'll do it for you. He loves to do that, remind you of stuff. He reminded me of something the other day. I was like, yes. And, you know, he'll remind me of all sorts of things, like, like where I put my car keys. Hello. I've never, I've never misplaced my phone. <laughs> I just wanted to see the look on her face. Okay, maybe a few times. Maybe a daily occurrence. Anyway. Um, <laughs> anyway, he'll tell me where my phone is. One day, this, this is going back for, for techie people like Torian. He'll just be embarrassed that I'm mentioning pager days. So this goes back a long time. But I, I couldn't find my pager. I had no idea where it was. The Lord said to me, he goes, make your bed. I was like, I'm not joking. I'm praying, Lord, you got to help me find this thing because it's for work and it's important. I got to know where the pager is. He goes, make your bed. So I made my bed, you know, you know, do I need to tell you the rest of this? Yes, it was somehow buried in the blankets or the pillows. On okay, you know, but I, I, yeah, I found the pager. I don't know why he didn't just say it's in your bed, but he told me to make my bed. Hello. All right. <laughs> this is just not going how I, I pictured this, Okay. But you guys with me tonight? Okay. All right. You're hanging on. You're hanging in there with me. All right. Growth in God is progressive, okay? Relationship brings... Now, track with me here, okay? Relationship brings knowledge and understanding, okay? Understanding of his will. Understanding brings us to a place where we know God and we know what he's blessed us with as his sons and daughters, all right? What did he tell, what did the father tell the older son the, in the prodigal son story? He said, everything I have is yours. See, that's the revelation he's going to lead you into. Everything I have is yours. You're like, wait a minute, then why have I been doing without? Well, because you don't have a revelation of everything I have is yours. But, but he doesn't, you know, don't beat yourself up over that. You got to grow into this. We have to grow up. And that's why God put the ministry, the five hold into the ministry so that we could all learn and we could grow up into him. Amen. So understanding also brings about obedience as God shows us what to do. 
And as he corrects us, we adjust and repair. And walking in that understanding brings about victory. And walking in obedience, like I said a minute ago, brings about peace. See, uh, I, Isaiah 48, 22 says, there is no peace for the wicked. You're like, wait a minute, I don't have any peace. Does that mean I'm wicked? No, that was the first, that's what I thought the first time I read that. I'm like, well, I don't have any peace. Are you kidding me? <laughs> no, no, I just hadn't learned to walk in the peace yet. But as you grow up, you'll learn to walk in his peace. And you'll cut those things. You'll lay aside those things in your life that are stopping the peace from residing with you. You know, my wife and I were talking last night. Our house is a very peaceful place. It's a very peaceful place. People who visit our house say that. This house is so peaceful. Like, yeah, it is peaceful. That's our house. But, but it's because the peace of God rests on us. Does that mean that we don't ever have any challenges? <laughs> no, it doesn't mean that. <laughs> Turn over to Colossians chapter one. Yeah, I'm going to get through like a third of this. I can see how this is going now. So anyway, Colossians chapter one. I love the book of Colossians. You guys write this in your notes. If you're taking notes, read Colossians chapter three. Okay. We're not going to read it tonight, but you should just read that. Okay. That is just full of power and it's a great recipe for success in life. It's a great chapter, but Colossians chapter one. Verse 9 says this, For this reason also, since the day we heard of it, we have not ceased to pray for you and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding so that you will walk in a manner worthy of the Lord to please him in all respects, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God Strengthened with all power, according to his glorious might, for the attaining of all steadfastness and patience. I mean, this is like a recipe, like an outline. He's got this all outlined, all right? You see that? So, so it's like, so that you're filled with knowledge, with all wisdom, and with wisdom comes understanding. You, he wants you, you get that? He wants you to understand his will. It isn't just a list of do all this stuff and get busy. No, 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 no. That isn't how he is at all. He wants you to not only know what he wants you to do, but he knows he wants you to know why he wants you to do it. Well, he hasn't told me that. Well, you need to ask him then because he wa- it says so. Did, did you see that there? Look at that. It's, is it still up there? No, it's not there, but, but it's okay. It's in verse uh, nine. Filled with the knowledge of his will, with all spiritual wisdom, that's the facts, and understanding, that's the why. See that? So that you may walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, so that you can please him, so that you can bear fruit. Don't you want to bear fruit? And increase, hello, in the knowledge of God, right? And be strong, strengthened with all power, according to his glorious might, not according to your strength, because we're not all as strong as Pastor Mark. And, and patient, and joy, and thanksgiving, and it's all right there. I mean, it's all great. This is all awesome stuff, right? You know, the, so, so God, it's, do you see the process there? He's, he's leading you. He's helping you grow up, all right? He, he's wanting to teach you little by little how to get to the place that you always wanted to get to. Now, there's part of us that fights that a little bit, 
But, but deep down, we know, we all, but because here's the deal. See, see, we're a new creation in Christ, isn't that right? Your spirit man always sides with God every time, always agrees with God every time, always wants what God wants every time, and your head is not the 100% cooperative partner in this relationship. You understand that, all right? Your head and your body, your body's hopeless. Your body is not gonna get renewed till heaven. Just ignore your body. And, and, but your soul can learn and be saved and grow up and be renewed and be transformed. So in, in my life, everything the Lord dealt with in my soulish realm, I'll tell you what, he's dealt with me in so many different ways, and I would love to just take hours and talk to you about all that because I think it would help you and, and help you recognize. Sometimes when I hear somebody else say, this is how God treated me, I'd be like, oh, yeah, he did that for me too. Wow, that's cool. I didn't know it was God. I, I've had that happen to me so many times because, see, we don't always know it's him at work. But the word says God is at work within you, both to will and to do according to his good pleasure, even though that, that is not translated 100% correctly, and we may get to that tonight yet. But, but, but let me, I'll back up. I'll go ahead and say this. That word his isn't in there. It says both to will and to do according to good pleasure or according to what's good for you or what's really great for you or what's in your best interest. See, that, I, I read that verse and say, according to his good pleasure, it's like, well, it makes him happy, but it's not doing much for me. No, see, that's not what that means. <laughs> I shouldn't. I say things. Oh, Lord, I'm sorry. Um, but you know what I mean? It isn't about that. No, no, no. See, it isn't for his pleasure that he's changing us and fixing things in our lives. It's for what? For our good purpose, for the good purpose, for, for what's good for us, for what benefits us. See, he's at work. I, I remember when it, the first time he taught me much about healing. I, I didn't understand healing, okay? I didn't know. I, I knew God healed, could heal. Didn't know he would. Certainly didn't think he was going to do anything for me. And some of you have heard me say this. I had this giant wart in my foot. I was walking like this because I had to walk on the side of my foot because it hurt so bad. And, and they said, if you're sick, if you've got a problem in your body, come on up. And I was like, I'd barely been to this church. You know, I, didn't, I was like, come on up and do what? All right. So I, <laughs> I went on up. You know, it's like the price is right. Dave White, come on down. And uh, anyway... So I, Lord, so, so, so I went down and, and this old lady, I didn't know who she was, find out later, it's the pastor's wife's mother. And, and, and she, she has this little bottle of oil and she goes, take off your sock, take off your shoe and your sock. I'm like, okay, we don't usually take off things in church. It's awkward. So I did. And she dumped some oil on there. And she goes, now, she goes, every time you think about this, you just thank God that wart's gone. I was like, and she prayed, laid hand. I was like, well, all right, I can do that. So every time I thought of it, which was every time, every time I stepped, <laughs> like, thank you, Lord, that I'm healed. And, and, and about two weeks later, I was thinking about it and thinking, you know, I haven't thought about that for, I don't know how long. So I was at work. I, I went in the back room back in, the, in the, the, I was working at a hospital. I went back in their conference room and I took my shoe off, my sock off. It's gone. I mean, like it was never there. It was huge. And it's just gone. I was like, wow. 
Well, you know, that's healing 101. I'm learning, all right? I'm growing up. I'm getting a hold of it, you know? But, but see, I, I, sometimes we have to practice stuff, you know what I mean? You know, I, I, he's taught me stuff through the prayer of faith, prayer of agreement. I could make you laugh with that one. That, that one's funny, but we're just going to keep going here. And, you know, many times just him pointing out what it was that didn't please him about my life was enough for me to just, okay, I'll fix that. Got that. Done. And, and you move on, right? Sometimes, I, I, have, you ever, have you ever had this happen? Sometimes that pastor said, says this too, but, but he'll correct me and it'll be two weeks later and I'll be like, he corrected me. I didn't even realize it because he's just so nice. You know, he's just so gentle and he's so kind. I didn't even realize he'd corrected me, but, but it's like, I think when my mom and dad corrected me, I knew it. But um, <laughs> God is nice. And, and, you know, so, so Hebrews 12.1, we read that, you know, we're getting rid of sins. We're getting, getting rid of weights. We're getting rid of hindrances. And all of it is to help us. It doesn't help him, you understand. I say that to you all the time. It doesn't help him. It helps us, uh, you know. It, it, it wouldn't help him to get the negative things, the harmful things, the things that are slowing me down out of my life, but it would help me. But sometimes there's been a few things in my life that they felt like they had a hold on me and, and I wasn't holding on to them. It's just like I couldn't figure out how to get rid of those things. And I'd pray and beg God and, 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 and there are strongholds, aren't there? Second uh, Corinthians chapter 10 talks about strongholds uh, verses, let's see, verses three to five. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but divinely powerful for the powerful for the destruction of fortresses, strongholds, things that latch onto us somehow. We are destroying speculations they're not actual buildings when it says fortresses or strongholds. You understand that, right? It's things inside of our minds. It's not in our spirit because our spirit's made new. Our spirit's a new creation. It's in our mind. We are destroying speculations. Those are in your mind. And every lofty thing raised up against the knowledge of God. And we're taking every thought captive. So he's talking about the realm of the mind here, right? So... So one time I was struggling with an area in my life and the Lord spoke to me in words and he said this. He said, what do you say you let go of that? Well, I was, I was so excited when he talked to me. I was like, absolutely, yes, of course. But then I found out that it wasn't that easy for me to let that go. And, it, and then I got, I, I got irritated with, it's like, what, what do you mean let it go? You're saying I'm holding on to that? I'm not holding on to that. That thing's holding on to me. <laughs> what do you say you let go of that? It's like that song from Frozen, let it go, let it go. You know, let's back up. I want to point out a couple things about what he said, just, just so it doesn't miss, you don't miss it, all right? First of all, it wasn't a command. What do you say you let go of that? It's not a command. It wasn't a threat. It wasn't a guilt trip. He didn't sound mad. He wasn't controlling or overbearing or critical. And anything that ever looks like that isn't God. 
What do you say you let that go? The most notable and troubling thing about it, of course, was what I just said, was that, that he said I was the one hanging on to it. That took some time. It should have been obvious for, to me that that was the case. But, but, uh, but I was holding on to it. So then I had to ask him why I was holding on to it. You understand? Ever been there? You know, when you don't have to turn there, but in Luke chapter 4, when Jesus entered the synagogue in, in Capernaum, or in Nazareth, rather, where he'd been brought up, and uh, it says, as his custom was, he went up and, and they opened up the book of Isaiah to him. And he read this, verse 18, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set free those who are oppressed, and to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord. And he closed the book, and he gave it back to the attendant and sat down. And every eye in the place was on him. And he began to say to them, Today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. He proclaimed it. Do you notice that? It says he proclaimed it. He didn't prophesy it. Proclaiming means it's happening now. It is the case starting now from this point forward. Prophecy would be like, down the road someday, I'm going to proclaim release for the captives and for the oppressed. But he didn't prophesy it. He proclaimed it. He said, starting now, at this point, the oppressed can be free. The captives can be set free. So regardless of how I felt or how we might feel, we are not captives. We are a new creation. You know, Paul said in Hebrews 12, 4, in your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. I thought, shedding my blood. No. But the Spirit of God called it a struggle. So when we're dealing with sin and habits and things that God wants us to let go or hindrances, sometimes there's a bit of a struggle. And sometimes we're not too open to hearing what the Word says about certain subjects. And when God starts dealing with an area, we may not be 100% immediately cooperative. Phyllis Moore, Keith, wife's, Keith Moore's wife, I can talk, said this, and I've quoted this before, but she said, when God speaks, we start negotiating. Hello. Well, you know, when we don't exactly want to do immediately what he said or we don't necessarily agree, like, I was like, no, I'm not holding on to that. You know, sometimes we want to argue or defend or, you know, God, that's not really sin. And I can't, well, I don't really want to let that go, but I do want to let that go because you said to let it go. And I really hate this, but why am I doing what I hate? And we do this one step forward and two steps back and... We're in this emotional roller coaster up and down, and there's no peace until we actually get around to doing what he said to do and letting it go. But God's will is always what's best for us, right? Um, we are not expected to overcome, obey, walk through life in our own strength. It's his strength. His strength is my strength. 
Psalm 27, the Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Amen? So, and I'm going over a little bit. Give me a minute here. So, so I was talking to him, kind of fussing about this whole situation. And, and I was like, Lord, I don't seem to be getting anywhere with it. You said, lay it aside. You said, let it go. And, and I'm, I want to let it go. But, but how do I let it go? And, and he spoke so sweet to me. And I thought he was just repeating what he had said to me the first time when he said, you know, uh, when, when, when he said, what do you say? You let this go. But he said, here's what he did. He goes, he spoke so nice. He's like, what do you say? And he stopped. I thought, <laughs> that's the problem, isn't it? Yes, I'm saying all the wrong things. I'm not saying what's in line with what he said. I'm saying, uh, yeah, I've been telling you know him, I can't. I don't see how. I don't really have the want to. It's not my fault. You know, I framed it to in my head to tell myself that I couldn't change, right? And 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 I didn't want to be responsible for it in the first place. You know, so I just fussed with him. But you know what? You know what I did? I I started saying it the way he said it. And I just started saying, Lord, I let that go. I let that go. I let that go. Every time I thought of it, I let that go. I let that go in Jesus' name. I let that go. And if I didn't feel like letting it go, I said, hey, I let that go. And you know what? There's power in our words. And I'm going to stop there. But you know what? There is power in what you say. We know that, don't we? Mark 11. Whosoever shall say to that mountain, be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea and shall not doubt in his heart. So, so the same thing's very, very important. And I'm telling you, there's power inside of your spirit, man, because the Holy Ghost lives there and his word resides there. And I had his word even double because I had him saying to me, what do you say? You let this go. And I'm like, all right, then we're going to go. And but I'll tell you what, when I said, I let this go. Boy, I sensed the power. I sensed the anointing. I sensed I was lining up. See, now when you're going against him and you're knocking heads, you know, that's not fun. But when you line up with him, I'm telling you, there's power there. There's Holy Ghost power there and you can overcome anything. Now, I'm not just talking about stuff like that. You know, I, I, I recently had a situation, uh, uh, some symptoms in my body, and they were creating anxiety, and, and the doctor was going to do a test, and that created anxiety. And yes, of course, you know, it's like, well, we can't get you in right away. It'll be like next week. So I'm like, yeah, four more days. And, and you know, so anxiety and thoughts are coming to my head. You understand. You've probably been there. And I'm like, no, 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 no. I let that go, and it stopped. See, see, we think it's hanging on to us. You know what? We're hanging on to it. You know, it gives us some kind of benefit to worry. Maybe we think we're doing something about it. We're not. Hello. Don't look at me like that. I let it go. I let it go. It's a scriptural principle. He said to lay those things aside, didn't he? Lay aside strife. Lay aside habits. Lay aside sin. Lay aside arguing. Lay aside everything that's slowing you down or keeping you from where you want to be in God. Lay it down. Lay it aside. Let it go. Yeah. 